the most essential need, I really believe, in the Christian life is faith. I always preach a message concerning faith, and I desire to remind you that without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. And so we go back to really what is faith and how does it work? I think the first thing we need to understand is that there is saving faith, is that there is a a faith that will save you, and that's really a little faith. Uh, Maybe you're born again today. Maybe you still have not trusted Christ as your Savior. Let Let me just tell you that there's no way that you can get to heaven without having faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's how you get there. It'd be a horrible thing for you to close your eyes in death and to enter in to the gates of hell. It'd be a horrible thing. And so we always look to people understanding and helping them understand that they need to have a faith that is absolutely essential in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Again, we trust him, and and saving faith is absolutely essential. But there's also what we call sanctifying faith, that God does allow us to be sanctified. Just as we are saved by faith, we're sanctified by faith. What I mean by that is that uh, there's going to be certain things in your life that shouldn't be there anymore. Um, and, and I don't have to put a finger on that. I don't, I don't have to, to, to just point to you and say you have to stop this or stop that or whatever. If you genuinely want a relationship with God, you will draw close to him by faith. You will believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you will allow him to work in your heart to remove those things in your life that are hindering your relationship with him. Uh, You don't have to have a pastor constantly yelling at you to get rid of those things. The Spirit of God lives within you. And, and, And you say, yes, Lord, I don't need to do that anymore. Would you forgive me? Would you help me? If you're always coddling somebody and telling them, well, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't, what kind of Christianity is that? Authentic Christianity is a Christianity that says, my whole heart belongs to God. I want to follow him, and by faith, he will sanctify you. But he'll also help you in the area of faith when it comes to other things. I, 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 I have this issue in my own life that I need to go back and remember that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We're also secured by faith. In other words, we need to have some secured faith, and so we go to the Word of God and we read portions of Scripture that tell us that we are sealed until the day of redemption, that the day that I trusted Christ as my Savior, that broken day where I was crying out to Him and asking Him to fix me and asking Him to save me. From that point on that I, that I called upon His name, I am saved all the way till I see Him again. That's the securing faith. I think sometimes we have what we would call insecure Christians. They're not sure whether they're saved or not. Go back to the Word of God. And if you've done what the Word of God says, then continue on. And continue to trust the Word of God over your own emotions at times. And trust the Word of God. God will help you in that securing faith. But there's also a sending faith that God gives us. And so it sends us maybe next door to our neighbor. Uh, The Lord works within us. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is constantly leading us and guiding us. He doesn't drive. The flesh drives you. Only the Spirit will lead you. And then when the Spirit leads you, you maybe, maybe perhaps it'll be just to talk to a family member. 
about, about their soul and you say, uh, God is stirring my heart. I want to come to them and sit them down and, and, and ask them about their soul. Are they saved? Are they living? They want to live for the Lord and God leads you. It may be to a loved one. It might be to someone in our church. But the Holy Spirit uh, will, will lead us then to step out on faith and talk to somebody else about the Lord. Uh, maybe there's uh, a problem that you have concerning your witnessing. Uh, maybe you don't want to witness to people or you have a hard time giving people the gospel. The Holy Spirit will help you and by faith we must step out. And so the sent ones were sent out, go by faith into a world that's dying. And so the Lord gives us that ability to not only be saved, but also be sanctified and then to be secure and then to have that understanding so that we can uh, be sent out. But there's another one that it actually helps in that area of faith. It strengthens us, that God strengthens us for the ministry and he will help us in, in times of trouble when we're in, when we're in a dilemma, when we're, when we're not being able to continue on at times and we feel like we're going to faint or quit. God will give us the strength to continue on. And so I want to tell you this morning that faith is an, an absolute in your life. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And so we know that Paul has written these in his word and has weaved them into almost all of his letters. The work of faith, the labor of love, and the patience of hope. And so if we have these things, it helps us to be the kind of Christian that we need to be. And uh, again, you don't have to have someone tell you. You know inside that you need to be what God wants you to be. And so faith is an absolute necessity. It's an absolute within us. And, and, and when do we need this? When difficulties are numerous and complicated. Because sometimes life does not make sense. And when I have troubles and difficulties, I've got to go to the Lord and I gotta help, I gotta have help from Him. And sometimes they are numerous. I'll talk to someone about their health and they'll tell me, well, my health isn't good. And then they go on about their health issues. And then they talk about their finances and they talk about their relationships. And maybe perhaps they're a mess when it comes to all of these things. They're numerous at times. And how can we actually have enough faith to continue on when things are complicated? I think when temptations are powerful, and sometimes when they're malignant, they're constantly there. There's temptations in this world. Are you tempted weekly? I believe you are. If you're a born-again Christian and you want to do what God wants you to do, and you have this desire to do what is right, you have this tendency sometimes to be tempted by Satan, and he'll come to you and say, well, you can just give in a little bit. We have this a lot of times when it comes to the recovery program, when a guy is doing good for maybe six months at a time. Then Satan comes along and says to them, well, you've been doing pretty Pretty good, so you can go ahead and indulge a little bit, and then pretty soon you indulge a little more, and then pretty soon you wake up someplace in a room all by yourself, and you say, Oh God, how am I going to continue on? By faith, my friend. By faith that God said what He said, and you need to believe what He said. Faith in times of difficulty and temptations, and sometimes when they're so powerful and they're malignant, there's some coming from within, and these temptations would like to take you away. And maybe this morning you're sitting here, and your relationship with God isn't what it should be. And you're saying, how can I get my relationship better? By faith. By faith that God loves you. And he made a way for you to get your relationship right with him. I believe today, more than ever, that the Christian must take it seriously. Sometimes I see someone walking along in their Christian life, and I think to myself, how can I help them? 
How can I stir up that little gift within them? How can I get them back to where they need to be spiritually? My friend, listen to me. You're being distracted. Distracted. You're being deluded. You're being deceived so many times. You've got to go back and say, Lord, give me that relationship that I need. And by faith, he'll give it to you. Even with things within, sometimes are tempting you to do what is wrong. When sickness occurs, we need faith. But sometimes when sickness continues... Someone says, well, I was sick last week, and then they're continuing to be sick, and then they're continuing to be sick, and, and maybe you're used to being sick for a little while, and then you get better, and you get stronger. But now you're sick all the time. seems like every time you turn around, there's a new illness on your plate. I was thinking about someone recently that went to the doctor, and they weren't doing so well, and they'll text me and say, well, here it is again. I'm struggling. What can I say to that person that'll make it all better? I can't really say much. I can pray with them. But oh, that God would stir up their faith to know that God is going to see them through. And even with their difficulties and their discouragements and their self-defeated attitude, God is going to give them the ability to keep going. He will by faith. I was thinking of this particular story, and I couldn't help but think about the emotional pain that this father was going through. And we read a little bit of the story, but I want you to turn back over, if you would, to just a few uh, verses back. We're in chapter 5, and there's so much going on in this particular chapter. There's, there's things concerning the power that God has over sin, the power that Jesus has, of course, over Satan, the power that he has over sickness, and the power that will help you is by putting faith in Jesus Christ. If, and I, if I was to mention to you that this particular sermon has a title, I would say it's a matter of faith, because that's what it is. The Christian life is a matter of faith. And so what we're talking about here in the 21st verse is Jesus is coming along. And when Jesus was passed over again by, by ship onto the other side, of course, he was dealing with the demonic man in the first portion of, of, of chapter 5 of the book of Mark. But now he's going across on the ship and he's going over to the other side. And people gathered together, and he was nigh unto the sea. Look at verse number 22 of chapter 5. And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet. Just fell down. What kind of reverence is that? That's a lot of reverence. Here Jesus comes across, he steps foot, comes a little closer to this man, and then this man falls down at the feet of Jesus Christ. You know what he was saying? He was worshiping him. He was saying, that's where my hope is. When anybody comes to the feet of Jesus, it shows humility. It shows that they're in great need. And God will strengthen you when you come to him. But here the, the man falls down. Look at verse 23. He besought him greatly. And here's the whole thing. This man is, is, is passionate. He's saying, my little, my little daughter... My 12-year-old daughter lieth at the point of death, and I pray that thou come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. It's interesting that the Bible says in verse number 24 that Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. That means that they compressed him on all sides. There were people everywhere. But this man had such agony over his daughter. And it didn't really matter. He didn't see those people. He just fell at the feet of Jesus because he knew there was just one place to go for help. 
So I wanted to put this in some kind of a systematic way to help us understand. So number one is man is troubled, but Jesus is always compassionate. Amen. Men get distressed. Men act differently when they're distressed. They seem to sometimes run from their real responsibility. I think sometimes that distress takes us to a, to a place that says, I just want to close the door and not do anything. I just want to live here at this point when the individual down deep in his heart knows he needs to do something. This man was distressed, but Jesus went with him. I love verse number 24. Chose the compassionate Lord. Jesus desired to soothe the suffering heart. I'll go with you. I think men sometimes are in trouble, and how they respond to it really is what really counts. But I think it's interesting because as this particular man sees Jesus and he gets his attention and he's crying out, and Jesus decides to go with him, much people followed him and thronged him. And all of his anxiousness seemed to stop for a moment. In the next verses, verses 25 all the way to verse number 34, give us an understanding that sometimes Jesus allows us to wait. And sometimes we get anxious, so anxious that we're not willing to wait. I don't know about you, but if, if my daughter was at death, if I had a daughter and she was at death and I knew that Jesus could help her and Jesus decided to go with me to go help her and then all of a sudden someone else comes along, I think I'd be a little impatient, wouldn't you? Now, now Jesus, you were looking at me and you heard me and you understand what I'm dealing with. I know you are who you said you are and you're coming, but, but wait a minute now. Why are you turning from me? Well, for one thing, God is ultimately in charge, but you're not the only person on this earth, dear friend. Sometimes in our sorrow and our difficulties, in our impatient attitude and our anxiousness, we think that there's no one else living but us. So we get irritated at people, don't we? Because they're not paying attention to us. It's like the I, me, me type attitude. So men are impatient, number two, and Jesus lingers. So if you get the picture is this man is biting his fingernails, so to speak, and Jesus is just going over and talking to people, and a woman comes along and touches his garment. Look at the verses. Verse number 30, 25 says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years had suffered many things of many physicians, and spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. I can't imagine that. With the health care system, I mean, they should have had Donald Trump as their president back then. Or they should have had perhaps the Democratic Party helping them. After everything she spent, she was worse. Can you imagine selling your house and mortgaging everything and then spending it and still being worse. What a dilemma. And when she had heard that Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment, she pressed it, came behind and pressed and touched his garment. And she said, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, 
I shall be whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. I was reading this. It says, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her plague, her her sore, her disease. Commentators were discussing this. Could have been a cut that wouldn't stop bleeding. Infection. I don't know. But Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that this virtue had gone out of him, he turned him about in the press. And he said, who touched my clothes? Have you ever had people touch your clothes when you're in a crowd? You know, I'm always taking my wallet out in a crowd and putting it in the front pocket. I remember when I was over in Romania and, you know, uh, there's thieves in every country, you know that. We were in the marketplace in Romania and a friend of mine named Dick Zieslog was a missionary for a while. We supported him for a little while. He put his wallet. It was one of those longer wallets, you know. And he put it down in his front pocket right here. And we were in the market and there were so many people. Poor people. We saw people sitting by the wayside and begging their legs were all twisted and couldn't walk and so on. And I was looking at everything. By the time we got done at the end of the market, Dick said, hey, my wallet's gone. Somebody went right in and took it. Maybe, maybe that's happened to you. I don't know. Don't, don't you want to take somebody that, that steals and say, look, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut your fingers off. No, I'm just teasing. You, you take them and say, look, I, I want to help you with your problem. I'm going to give you a job. And if you become honest, I will be able to give you even more to help you. I was thinking about this particular story, and I thought about how that this particular woman touched him, and Jesus said, who touched me? Look at his disciples said in verse number 31, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest who touched me. I don't get this. You know, everybody's pressing against you, and you're saying who touched you. Isn't that kind of like having a church full of people but not knowing really who needs Jesus? One person out of all these people, or two with Jairus. Sometimes we gather together and we're all looking to Jesus, but how many are really serious about getting help from him? How many are really serious about... Listen, if you're serious, I said this the other day, you're as closest to God as you want to be. You know, you don't have to tell somebody where church is. They'll find the place if God's working in them. And this woman, God was stirring in her. You go, go, touch the garment of the master. And she did. And she was healed. And Jesus knew. It's interesting as you look at the verse, verse 33, the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. So now she gets serious with God. Isn't it amazing that God's goodness leads us to repentance like the Bible says? He's been so good to you. Don't you look up sometimes and say, Lord, you have been so good to me. And because of his goodness, you begin to say, Lord, I want to get closer to you. And maybe there's a chamber of your heart that you've been holding back for a long, long time chamber of bitterness, hatred, and envy. You say, Lord, would you please take this too and heal this? And he will do it. And he will give you that relationship that you long for. 
you can have yourself made whole. Like this woman, look at verse number 34. It says, and, and he said unto her, thy faith has made thee what? Whole. Go in peace. And be whole of thy plague. Now it's interesting because she had tried so much. Someone wrote this concerning the woman seeking the Lord by faith. Doubt and difference would have kept her away. Faith drew her near. And she came to him. It was her last resource. Maybe with her dying grasp, she stretched forward. And someone wrote this concerning it. I have tried and I have tried in vain. Many ways to ease my pain. Now all other hope is past and only this is left at last. Here before thy cross I lie. And here... I live, or here I die. No matter what the difficulty is, you need to come to Jesus. If he heals you, praise God, he does. But he may not, and he may draw you close to him. I've seen people close to death. I've seen people die. It's amazing to me. That person's still there, and we know they're there. But really, it's just their cocoon. They're gone. They're with the Lord. Or else they've gone to hell. It's amazing how we look at this and say, what is it going to be like for me? By faith, we can know that we're going to heaven. We can trust the Lord and be saved. So as I was thinking about this, I came to the end of it in verse number 35. Let's look at what happens here. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain that said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? He's dead. She's dead. There's no hope. Yeah. Just think about this for just a moment. This man is thinking, why did Jesus linger? What? There was not a moment that I wanted to give to anyone else but my need. And I want Jesus to come and meet the need now. Why did he linger? Remember how that They responded, when Lazarus died, if you would have come, Lord. See, God doesn't have a daytimer. And Jesus had no cell phone or schedule to keep. He is all in all. I think when we look at this passage and we say, well, what happened to this man now? His daughter died. What's he going to do? Look at verse number 36. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, just some simple words, be not afraid, only believe. You could actually underscore those words. Be not afraid, only believe. If you have a Bible, then you have it open and you're looking at the words and those may be the words in red for you where Jesus speaks out and he speaks out very softly and says, be not afraid, only believe. It's pretty simple to say, but it's kind of hard to do, isn't it? It's interesting as we think about this because then goes on and says, and he suffered no man or allowed no man to follow him, saying Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he comes to the house of the ruler of the synagogues and sees the tumult. And and them that wept, and they wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith to them, Why make ye 
this ado and weep. The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. What an incredible comment. Because they know that she's not sleeping. They know that she's gone. The lifeless body of a 12-year-old girl is laying there. Completely gone. And they're weeping and wailing. Saying, oh, I wish it could have been different. I'm certain that Jarius was like, man, I wish we wouldn't have waited any longer, but come. And look what it says in verse 40. And they laughed at him to scorn. When he had put them all out, he takes the father and the mother and the damsel and them that were with him and entered where the damsel was lying. He took the damsel by the hand. Of course, he goes on and, and says, Arise. And straightway the damsel rose and walked, and for she was at the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded them some, something should be given to her to eat, just enough tenderness to, to know that she can actually be hungry. I can imagine she experienced death. She died. She came back alive, alive, and only Jesus Christ could do it. So what can we make some sense of this and make it practical? I think really that we're looking at unbelief here. Unbelief is a horrible, horrible thing. We look at chapter 6 and we see that there was a tremendous amount of, of doubt here that was going on. And there, there was this disbelief, of course, and we know in verse number six or verse number three of chapter six, it says, "Is this not the carpenter's son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us?" And they were offended at him. Jesus saith unto them, "A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, in his own house." And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. you know why he couldn't do much work? It was because of the lack of faith, because of the lack of belief. How about you today? Do you believe? Some of you will believe the score on the television more than you believe the Word of God. Some of you believe in the bucks more than you believe in the Bible. It's pretty sad. But I want to encourage you that disbelief will mess with you. The disbelief here caused the people to question his authority. Who is this guy anyway? Was there disbelief? Those that were with disbelief thought, who is this man? Who is he sitting with? And why is he sitting with sinners? They didn't believe that this was Jesus Christ. They didn't believe in his abilities. And Maybe you're the same way. Maybe you're sitting here today making a little bit of a show here in church, but you lack belief. Belief in him. I want to read you a story in closing from D.L. Moody. I found it, it was written years ago. Mr. Moody was one night preaching in Philadelphia. Near the pulpit sat a young lady who listened eagerly and very attentive, drinking in every single word. And after he had got done talking, he went to her and he said, Are you a Christian? No, she replied. I, I wish I were. I've been seeking Jesus for three years, Mr. Moody. D.L. Moody replied, There must be some mistake. Don't you believe me? 
she said. Well, no doubt. You think you have been seeking Jesus, but believe me, I don't, it don't take three years for a soul seeking the Savior to meet him. What am I to do then, she said. You've been trying to do this long enough. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, said the young lady, I'm so tired of that word, believe. Believe, believe, believe. I don't even know what that means. Then we'll change the word, Mr. Moody said. Let's change the word to trust. If I say now to you, do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to save you? She says, I don't say that. For you may say 10,000 times to me, I must trust him. But I don't. I don't believe. And he said he will certainly come and do as he said he would do if you just put your trust in him. But I, I don't think I'll feel any better. Mr. Moody said, I see you've been looking for feelings for three years instead of looking to Jesus. If the translators of the Bible had everywhere inserted feelings instead of faith, what a run there would be upon this book. But God does not say a word about feelings from Genesis to Revelation. With men seeing and believing, but with the believer, believing is seeing. He goes on to say to her, an orphan child was once asked by her little friend, What do you do without a mother to tell you that she loves you? What do you do without a mother to go to troubles with? Mother told me to go to Jesus. He's been my mother's friend, and I know that he'll be my friend. Sometimes we have to go back and remember that people have been telling us for a long time that we must trust the Lord and believe in him. And I can't make you believe. I can't make you trust him. But only believe, only trust him is what he said he would do. So many times we're in the scriptures and we see that the Lord says, if you do this, I will do this. It's called a prerequisite. Sometimes he just wants to see if we have faith. I'm going to put... I'm going to put some spittle and in, in dirt and I'm going to put it on your eyes, but you go wash the pool. Couldn't he just said, let this man see? And he wanted to see the faith of the man. There are prerequisites all over in the Bible. We see that we're supposed to cast our burden upon the Lord and he will sustain us. The casting of the burden is the issue. And sometimes... We would want God to sustain us and help us without the prerequisite. Wouldn't life be a lot, that, a lot easier if that would just happen? Wouldn't it be easier if we just came to church and we were going to heaven just because we came to church? You know? It's not the way it is. God says, if you do this, I will do this. Call upon me, and I will answer you and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. It's the prerequisite. 
When it comes to faith, when it comes to real faith, life is a matter of faith. And the Christian life is a matter of faith. You must take your faith and place it into the object of Jesus Christ. Only trust him. But you don't understand. Things aren't going the way I think they need to go. Only trust him. Only trust him. Wouldn't it be wonderful to hear from the master? Don't be afraid. Only believe. I think those words should be maybe on the refrigerator to help remind you not to be afraid. Only trust him. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know what your need is today. I don't know what you've been through or the difficulties, but I believe that there are some people here today that still are lacking in the area of your faith. Oh, you've been saved. But you haven't stepped out by faith yet. Stepped out and surrendered all. You're still holding back for some reason. God's been so good to you. Down deep in your heart, you know that there's a lack. It's not because of God. It's not because of your family. It's because you are still holding back. That's why you're miserable at times. You know what? The Lord wants you not to be afraid. No matter how difficult the bad news is, can you imagine how hurtful that was? Your daughter is now dead. But don't be afraid. Only believe. Wow, what a great end of the story. Because she wasn't dead, she was sleeping. And Jesus took her by the hand and said, Arise. And she was able to make some coffee for her daddy again. What a beautiful story. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, my faith is so small. But I do believe. I am saved. But I'm struggling with my faith right now. I need your prayers. And maybe this morning you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm struggling. Spiritually, I'm saved. But I'm struggling. Anyone like that? Lift up your hand and put it back down again. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you for your honesty. God is so good. Yes. It's never the Lord. It's always you, the one in need. He is there. His, His strength is so mighty. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've been pondering this. I'm not sure that if I die, I would go to heaven. I'm not sure about that. I've been afraid. And and maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, could you please pray for me? Because I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm a Christian. Is there anyone like that? Just lift up your hand so I can pray for you. I won't point you out. Anyone? Praise the Lord. And every person in this room has at least said that they have trusted Christ. Dear friend, if you're still struggling with anything, the Lord wants to help you. By faith, why don't you even come down the aisle today and just kneel down at an old-fashioned altar and talk to God about it. Do you struggle with your faith? Talk to him. He'll meet you there. 
his hands wide open for you if you come. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just stand to your feet, no one looking around this morning. Let's have an invitation. If you need to come, you sense God working in your heart, take that step of faith. Say, here I am, Lord. I'll say, yes, Lord, yes. Have your will. Have your way. As the piano begins to play, why don't you come? Yes, Lord. I surrender. I surrender all. It's for baptism, church membership. Why don't you come? I was thinking, I'm going to have to tell the pianist to play Only Trust Him at the invitation, you know. And I never told her, and she just played it, you know. Brother Craig, why don't you make your way up here if you would. I I want Brother Craig to give us a little bit of an update on his health. And uh, good to see you here this morning, Brother Craig. Been through some difficulties, but God has strengthened you again, and it's good to see you taking care of the RU program. But why don't you come and close our service with a word of prayer. Tonight I'm going to preach a message. I really believe that everyone needs to hear on the book of Daniel. I'm not going to be long tonight, but I want to preach a message on how you can make a difference in your home, really, in in your community and in your church. Did you know you can actually make a spiritual difference even here at church? You can. We're going to show you how to do that. Brother Craig, you bless my heart. Uh, Your faithfulness to the RU program and staying at it. Thank you for that. Would you close our service with a word of prayer? Tell the folks a little bit how you're doing and then close our service. Yeah, as many of you know, um, I, I think it was back in October, they told me that I had some cancer in me. And uh, and so we had surgery on December 9. Um, and and then, as many of you know, I was probably out for <laughs> eight weeks. Uh, I think the good news is it would appear the surgery is successful. They 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 actually they, they cut out everywhere where the cancer was, but then they went further and they cut all around all the margins 
And while the cancer they found was, was very aggressive, um, they couldn't find anything in the margins. So at, at this point, we're thinking they got all the cancer. And then, then because of the type of cancer, there were some oh, potential side effects. And um, I, I was highly concerned about those. But, you know, as I stand before you here today, I can tell you almost all of them have faded away. So, um, yeah, so they're very, very temporary, even more temporary than I was led to believe. And ironically, I had people who had the same condition, same cancer, same treatment, and they were all encouraging me to reach out to them. So I, a few of them I, 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 I was in contact with, and <laughs> I, none of them encouraged me. You know, <laughs> They all talked to me about these debilitating problems they had. And so I'm like, oh, gee, thanks for the encouragement. But, um, <laughs> um, but um, in, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm just, honestly, I'm just thrilled. I'm, I'm thrilled that... I, what, what few problems I have are, are, are so so small. So, I, I, I mean, God is good. So, um, and, and it's good to be back. It's really good to be back in RU. And I, you know, RU is funny in this way. I, I come there to help people, but I'm so encouraged by the people who come. It, it, it's a two-way street. So, so, anyways, um, that's an update on me. Um, and, and so, let's just close with a word of prayer here. Uh, Lord, we come before you here this morning, and Lord, we've we've heard a story about uh, a sto- story about faith, and 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 while, while I may have been a believer here for a long time, Lord, I constantly find my faith under assault, and just um, Lord helps us to draw encouragement from this story that a man whose daughter's sick and is dead, nevertheless, can be revived by our Lord, and help us to understand no matter the circumstance, Lord, you're greater than that circumstance. And no matter how dark it seems and how certain the end result seems, you can overrule that at any point, Lord. And we thank you. You're such a loving God and a powerful God, and you hear our prayers, and you answer them in a marvelous way. We, we can't begin to understand, but only looking back, we, we can see that your answer was better than anything we could have imagined. And just bless us now as we leave this place. We pray in your holy name. Amen.